0: All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puree Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the the vanilla as my favorite. So It's smooth, it's delicious, and you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real, natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puri Whey Protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puri's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to Puri.com slash That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash And then make sure you use promo code Biohacker Babes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee and I'm Lauren. We
1: are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you
0: to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day.
1: Welcome everyone to episode 77 of The Biohacker Babes. I'm Lauren. I'm in New York City. I'm here with my sister Renee, not physically here, but I am joined by my sister Renee in Las Vegas. Hey, hello.
0: Renee. Hello from Sunny <laughs> Vegas. Hi.
1: <laughs> oh, it is not sunny here today. <laughs> oh. Not at all. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I got outside and got my morning light, not sunshine,
0: but light. <laughs> I saw that your morning light exposure. You got to do what you got to do. It's important.
1: (laughs) Even if the sun is not shining, you got to get outside. Helps me wake up so, so much. Great. So welcome back. If you're new here, we're the Biohacker Babes. We are on a mission to empower you to upgrade your health and become a biohacker just like us. It's January. We just kicked off season four and we're talking about hormones, not for the entire month, but we got a couple of episodes here per your request. So we're going to continue to answer your questions about this. Today's going to kind of be an intro into our monthly hormonal fluctuations in fradian rhythm, which may be a new term for some of you, and troubleshooting your periods. So men before you get off of this recording. Stick around because obviously this is more geared towards women, but if you are in a relationship with a female, this is going to be really helpful to keep the calm and peace in your household and also your relationship strong. I think it's, it's really supportive to understand the female body and understand why certain things are happening throughout the month. So stick around whoever you are. Uh, The point of today is to understand that there really is a cyclical nature to our bodies. We know that with like circadian rhythm, right? Like things are constantly changing. Hormones are changing. And it's very normal for not only our sex hormones, but our neurotransmitters, those are our brain hormones to ebb and flow throughout the month. We really can't expect to have the same energy every single day. So for those of you that are showing up to your workout and want to get like a killer, amazing, strong, empowered workout every single time you show up, it's not always going to feel that way and it shouldn't. And this really goes for food, sleep, energy, general mood and well-being. There There are natural, there is a natural ebb and flow and we want you to believe deep in your heart, in your gut that that is normal and totally okay. We know that there is way more science and research on men. This is nothing new, but we really need to stay vigilant, ladies. We need to do our own research. We need to listen to our bodies, but we're going to kind of give you some science so you can understand what's happening throughout the month. But then you need to take that information and link it back to your own feelings, your own symptoms, and make this work for you. Because as we always say, what works for me is not going to work for you.
0: Yeah, I think this is really where the biohacking comes in. Your body our bodies are so different and at the same time I think it's so magical that we have the ability to track our data throughout this monthly cycle and really use it as a sign of health. Are we as healthy as we can be? Is there an imbalance somewhere? And this is, you know, free data that your body is giving you every day, every week, every month. And I think as biohackers, we can really take advantage of this information and use it to thrive in any part of our life. Like you said, Lauren, you know, change your diet, change your exercise, change your social life schedule, do whatever you need to do to biohack and really optimize your month. So, Today, we're really going to be talking about, you know, kind of biohacking your period or your cycle. So let's get into why we want to track our cycle in the first place.
1: I just want to jump in really quick before you go straight period mode. If you're on the pill in any form, you can still do this. So your symptoms and sort of like tracking your cycle is going to be a little bit harder, but you can still do this. Renee and I don't necessarily No, I want to say Oh, right. We do not encourage being on the pill unless you have a serious medical condition. We think your your body really needs to have these natural communication signals, and the pill is going to blunt that. It's also going to screw up your hormones a little bit, which we can talk about later. But if you are on the pill, it's okay. This information is still really valuable, and there will still be plenty of information to help you track your cycle and figure out how to optimize.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Definitely still stay tuned if you're on the pill. And even if you maybe just came off the pill and you're dealing with post-birth control syndrome, this is going to be great information as well. And Lauren, you had a really good point. I think a lot of people don't realize that birth control, all it's doing is it's blocking the communication in the body, right? From the brain to the ovaries, we can rebuild that communication pathway after you're off the pill. And a Mm -hmm. lot of what we're going to talk about today is going to support that. Yeah. All righty. So I wanted to get back into. So why do you want to track your cycle? So number one, you can learn a lot about your body like I said. This is the ultimate biohacking data here. You know, the more data we have, the more we can learn about our body and ultimately just track what's going on. So this is a free way to track every month. Next is you can adapt your diet, your exercise, your lifestyle habits based off of where you are in your cycle and we're going to go through the different phases later in the episode. And like we started to say, why not schedule, you know, that big lecture at work based off of what, you know, time of your cycle or some big social activity or the type of workout. Like that is really cool that you can do it. And once you can hack that, you're going to be blown away by it.
1: Yeah. Awesome when you do have the control, but sometimes there are things that come up and it's just like, yeah, of course, sometimes that vacation falls at the wrong time. Or I know like I'm filming workouts and I don't always Really have control over when I film, and you know that could be a bummer depending on <laughs> which of day the course. cycle is. But in general, if you do have the option, it's it's really cool to sort of um,
0: have plan that, around it. <laughs>
1: yeah, have that power. yeah.
0: But then also, if you know that that's going to happen, you can do everything in your ability to make it as easy as possible, right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <Like> promote <prevent> oh. <laughs> and all that.
1: Plug to stay tuned to the end of the podcast, because we'll talk about the po- uh, the biohacks and things that you can do to call your symptoms.
0: Definitely, and then I think this is a big one. No surprises. Don't for all you women out there. Don't you want to know exactly what day your cycle is going to start? Like you don't want to be out and about and be like, "Oh my gosh, I totally didn't know that was happening today." So when you start tracking your cycle, you will be able to see around. You know, I think twenty-four to forty-eight hours of when you're going to start is is a good goal. Mm -hmm. And then this can also be a part of the fertility awareness method. So if you are you know maybe you're on the pill looking to get off the pill you're looking for other ways to prevent pregnancy the fertility awareness method is really great and the biggest part of that program is you have to track your cycle you have to track your cycle you have to learn when you can actually get pregnant and know you cannot get pregnant all days of your cycle you know there's only a small window that we can actually get pregnant don't you wish we knew that back in you know high school when we were told that you can get pregnant whenever you know, I thought for so long that it just could happen any day of the month, but no, it's actually a really small window. And if you can learn that window for yourself, that can be a great uh, form of birth control.
1: Well, the scare tactic was probably useful, but <laughs> there wasn't yeah, exactly. really a whole lot
0: of education about that back then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I really learned much in that class in sex ed, but I guess it had served its purpose. Anyways, <laughs> also with the natural rhythm of our hormones rising and falling, if you get into really what we call like a balanced hormonal flow, you shouldn't suffer with any of these period problems. And today we're really going to hone in on acne and PMS because we got a lot of requests specifically for those topics. But just know that if you're having any period problems, any symptoms, these are just a sign that something is out of balance. You know, we're not meant to suffer one, two, three weeks of every month because of this. It's your body telling you something is out of balance and trying to signal that you need to change some things to get it back into balance. So don't look at it as a bad thing. Look at it as information that you can use in a positive way. And that leads us into cycle syncing. So what I started to say about you know adapting your diet, your schedule, all of that. So that's going to get us through the different phases of your monthly menstrual cycle. And we are going to walk you through each phase. So you can. Get a little one on, 101 on your monthly cycle. I think it's a good way to start. Lauren, I'll let you lead off the next. I know you. this next topic you're super excited to share because I think a lot of people don't know about this.
1: Great. So at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned infradian rhythm. If this is a new term for you, that is one of your internal clocks, the other being your circadian rhythm. We know this is the cycle of the sun, how we wake up and when we go to sleep, That's circadian rhythm. Your infradian rhythm controls your hormones and it really influences a lot of different systems in the body, your brain, your metabolism, immune system, microbiome, your stress response, and most importantly, what we're talking about today, your reproductive system. So when we talk about phases of your cycle, there is a lot of information out there. And I think it's actually difficult to find like very clear information about this is what happens. This is what you should feel. This is what you should expect. So hopefully we, we gathered this information in a way that is easy to digest. Essentially, you have two major phases. You have your follicular phase and you have your luteal phase average length of a cycle. I'm sure you've heard this 28 days, but it doesn't have to be 28 days anywhere between like 27 to 32 days is healthy. I think what's more important than the length is consistency. Are you getting consistency from month to month? Are you at a place where you, you know, when to expect your period, when you're going to ovulate, Do you know, when all these things are going to happen. So with the two main cycles, we can kind of break it down. So follicular actually starts with day one, which is when you go into your menstruation. Day one is when you start bleeding, which is a little weird because you think of like the bleed is the end, but technically this starts day one. This is the beginning of your follicular phase. We know this is the lining of the uterus is being shed and hormonally, all of your hormones are pretty low. So we're looking at the two main ones, estrogen and progesterone. They have dropped off. And by the end of this phase, they're going to start to come back up. But during your menstruation, which is typically like three to seven days long, you're going to feel a little sluggish. This is not new to anybody, right? <laughs> you. This yeah. is when you feel shitty. <laughs> We've all no been on the couch. There. Yeah, <laughs> you've all been on the couch. You probably don't want to go do a hit workout or run a marathon, and that's okay. This is a big sign that your body needs rest and recovery, more restorative exercises. Your body temperature is going to be a little bit low, and that's true of the entire follicular phase. Your basal body temperature is like a whole degree lower than the second half, your luteal phase. This is an excellent time to fast which is, I find really interesting because a lot of us have a lot of cravings when we get our periods. We want salty food, we want chocolate, and there are good reasons for that, but you can actually get a lot of benefits from fasting, from slowing down. And hopefully if you you do slow down, you don't need as much food coming in, right? You don't need as much energy from calories because you're actually listening to your body. Another interesting fact is that your estrogen is lower. So you can be less prone to injuries. I'll talk more about that soon. That doesn't mean jump around, do crazy things. You really need to listen to your body. So this is things like yoga, walking. I don't know. Maybe you want to do Pilates. Not for me, but maybe for some people. More working in. I love mobility during this time because you're still getting a lot of blood flow. You're getting a little heart rate elevation, but you're not like killing it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I naturally want to do all those things. But one thing I think is interesting, I've heard that yoga is really good, but I've also heard from a yoga instructor that it's not ideal to do inverted positions. I don't know. Have you heard that, Lauren?
1: I don't know the science behind that, but I would just think like you want to say vertical because things are coming out.
0: Yeah. I don't (laughs) don't think it would feel good. So yeah, I would say yoga in general, but be careful. Don't do any like headstands or handstands that week.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think with, we're going to talk about these symptoms that maybe are common, but not normal, but a lot of us have low back pain, cramps, we feel terrible. So I think moving is probably better than not moving at all. I recorded a, a video recently for mix. I was assigned to do like a mix, they call it mix RX, which is like a prescriptive for something like a troubleshooting something. And I did one for cramps. Oh, cool. And in the video, I was like, oh, I'm so nervous to do this. But I was like, you, you're you all going to hate me, but we're going to do jumping jacks because the blood flow and getting the endorphins up, I think are really helpful. But then, you know, we laid on the floor and did some stuff to like lengthen the, the low back and give space to the abdominals. But like a little bit of movement and getting your heart rate up can be super helpful. I know sometimes that's the last thing that you think about, but yeah, try to avoid just totally retiring to the
0: couch. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Increasing circulation. Why wow. wouldn't you want that? Yeah, great. That's awesome I'm sure people that you were to like that.
1: screaming at me and
0: cursing my <laughs> name. Like this is not why I hit play, but sorry. <laughs> there are many things worse than jumping jacks. Okay, <laughs> that's Aren't not true. too bad. You could always step it out too. It doesn't have to be plyometric.
1: You can do like right foot and left foot.
0: Right. Whatever. Some dance moves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Great. So once we finish that phase, then we go into. Kind of what we call phase two, non menstrual phase. We're still in the follicular phase. And so during this week, estrogen and testosterone are rising and they peak at the end of this phase. So, how do you feel during this phase? You might feel more confident. Maybe you have a little bit more energy. You can think and move quickly and more libido, which makes a lot of sense because we're getting ready for ovulation and Mm If you look at, you know, ancestral health, you humans have been around for a long time. It makes sense to increase libido this week to prepare for potentially getting pregnant. But and we most also of you see- will probably
1: notice that. Like if you tune in, you probably have like more feelings of arousal around that time. You just maybe didn't link yeah. it
0: to that day on the calendar. Right, right. So definitely keep an eye out for that. During this week, you also might see an increase in creativity and openness. And this can be really taken, not just mental creativity, what we would think of, but also through exercise. So maybe more creative movement, movement things like dance. You might be able to pick up your dance routine a little bit faster, or maybe try <laughs> a new exercise you've been putting off. You've been a little f- afraid to try. But also we have higher estrogen at this point and that can actually put you more prone to injury. And Lauren, can you explain this part a little bit about the muscle stretch reflex? What's really happening there?
1: Yeah. You have a reduced muscle stretch reflex, which makes your muscles more pliable. So you may feel like more flexible and more mobile. And because you're like creative and confident and full of energy, it's possible. You could just like really go for it and potentially injure yourself. So like be careful as always, but there is like a hormonal effect that's happening there. That's matched with like the increased confidence. So like A great time to learn tennis, probably, but don't play for seven hours straight. I don't know. You could hurt yourself.
0: Right, right. (laughs) You may feel like Superwoman, but be careful. Yeah. Okay. And then the last thing to look at is how we can eat this week. And for women, we really want to be feasting. So Lauren and I love more of the cyclical keto type of diet, right? Fast, feast, fast, feast. So this week you want to do more feasting because you actually need more carbohydrates this week to help with the hormone conversions that are happening right before ovulation. So this is not a good time to fast, uh, days 11 to 16, ideally. And then also your body temp is still lower at this point. So another part of tracking your cycle is tracking your body temperature. This can be as simple as just keeping a thermometer next to your bed in the morning, or if you have something like an aura ring or any other tracker that's looking at body temperature, but you will see this week, your body temperature is still lower and that will lead us into the next phase.
1: Yeah. So that low body temperature, you're going to have, you're going to see that stay low until you ovulate, and then it's going to jump up after the ovulation. So you can't really wait for your temperature to come up to signal ovulation. It has already happened at that point. But I just think the body temperature change, it's really like one degree lower for the first half, and then it goes up for the second half, the luteal phase. I think there's a lot of information out there about like your metabolism being different First half versus second half, and I like what you said about it being cyclical. And if you look at the rise of rise and fall of estrogen, and then the rise and fall of progesterone, like we have a roller coaster throughout the month. It's just not one peak and one fall. So that's how we can sort of picture the fasting, feasting, fasting, feasting. It's really matching the rise and fall of these hormones. So if read a lot of the literature out there, or followed some other like key thought leaders in this space, some people are saying. It's like metabolism, cortisol related, and that you should be fasting for a whole section and then feasting for the other half. But I think the cyclical right. nature makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Did and I, and I like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I, I like to kind of picture it as like a symphony. It's not just Ooh, black and white,
1: okay. right? There's <laughs> like
0: different moving pieces all working together to create a symphony. I don't know. That's just where my mind goes. Yeah. (laughs) And then about the body temperature, I was going to say another thing. You, you, You had a great point, right? You don't see that increase until after ovulation. So if you're trying to prevent pregnancy or maybe you're trying to get pregnant and conceive, this is a good thing to track month after month because you'll consistently see, oh, my body temperature always elevates on day 17. Okay. So that means you ovulated maybe day 15, 16, sometime before that, but you're right. You can't use it as like, Oh, now I'm ovulating. No, it's too late. So you have to look at yeah. monthly trends.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of cool to follow th- those trends on aura ring. That's a great way to track though. I It's not always super accurate because you know there's other reasons why your body temperature could rise and fall. So to look at the trends, like to zoom out and see first half of the month, second half of the month is a little bit easier to recognize Yeah. That.
0: The trends on aura are so cool when you you zoom out and see the rise and fall. It's so cool. Yeah.
1: All right. So we're at ovulation. This is around day 14. So it's like approximately two weeks after the first day of your period. What's happening? Hormones. You have this peak in estrogen, and that's going to trigger a peak in your luteinizing hormone what you feel during this time with the increasing levels of estrogen, it's going to make you feel like pretty outgoing and social. So it's a continuation of how you felt second half of the follicular phase. But right after ovulation, we just mentioned the body temperature is going to drop. You're going to continue feasting. So You're really feasting days 11 through 16. So the second half of follicular through ovulatory, there's a lot of like overlay here. This is why this gets really complex, but this is an opportunity to listen to your body. I know this is really dialed in, but if you can tune into this, your body's gonna tell you exactly what to do. You want to stick with that more creative movement. You can probably start to tolerate more high intensity movements. So like HIIT training, some heavy weight training, I would say this is your chance to really go for it. If you feel energized and and feel strong, you most likely will if you start to pay attention to this. So really going for it with higher intensity exercise, you're feasting. This doesn't mean eating crap. It just means you can tolerate more calories from Good clean nutrition always side note, and that's going to lead us into our luteal phase. So, this is like that big chunk, the second half, it's the longest phase of our cycle because it's not broken up with all those other things we just mentioned. What happens here? So, estrogen has already dropped off, progesterone is now on the rise. So, this is that second roller coaster we're rising and then we're going to drop off. The beginning, you're still continuing those feelings of like having more energy, feeling social, confident. But as that progesterone peaks and drops off, that's when you're gonna start to lose motivation. Maybe start to feel more sluggish, maybe feel like more snuggly, not necessarily tired, but like you're starting to um, the energy is starting to reduce. You're also gonna start to feel things like constipation, cramps, some water retention as that progesterone starts to drop off. We already mentioned your body temperature is maybe a a degree higher. And if you're tracking with Oura Ring, you'll see this. As we get into day 17, so that's like a few days into your luteal phase, that's when we can go back to more of a fasting protocol. So it's a little bit lighter. And this is really going to help with your estrogen detoxification. So after that estrogen peaks and drops off, we need to remove it from the body. We have to detoxify that. There has to be like this recycling of hormones and proper elimination. Otherwise we'll get symptoms like PMS, acne, which we're going to talk about soon. So days 17 to 21, you're fasting. And then after that, we're going to go more into a feasting cycle again days 22 to 28, and that's your preparation for menstruation. So you can tolerate a little more protein, cooked food, anything that's really easy to digest is great, but you can definitely handle a little more nutrition, nutrients, density of calories. I would continue with the high intensity exercise, weight training, but then when you feel that drop off in energy, you'll feel a shift halfway through this phase pay attention to that and then just start to return to your lower intensity by the end of the phase following that that roller coaster back down the hill and then obviously we reach the end of the cycle and then we come back to day one it's like a, well that's why it's called a cycle we just made a circle <laughs> we get <to laughs> do we it all do over it
0: again all
1: again so i know that's really complex We will add in the show notes some uh, links to visuals so you can kind of see this estrogen rise and fall, the progesterone rise and fall. And you'll see, you'll be able to visualize like feasting, fasting, where the energy is topping off, where it's bottoming out. Hopefully that's going to make a lot more sense when you see it.
0: Absolutely. I think seeing it on paper is, makes it much more (laughs) easy to digest. So we'll definitely link to that. Great. And then I think a good segue here is to talk about seed cycling, this seems to be gaining popularity. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of research on this, but if you haven't tried it and you're having trouble kind of sinking your cycle, I think it's worth trying. So basically to break it down, so the follicular phase, we would recommend doing flax seeds and pumpkin seeds, and these are gonna support increasing estrogen. And then the luteal phase is sesame seeds and sunflower seeds to support progesterone. So it's really simple. I think, you know, even if for some reason it doesn't work, it's not going to do any harm, right? I mean, these are great seeds that we should be should be incorporating anyways. I think it's just following a little bit more of a routine. I think it gets a little tricky. Like, how do I incorporate these every day? So a couple of tips, you know, maybe grind one week's worth of the seeds up, especially flax seeds. So flax seeds, you always want to buy them whole and grind them fresh. You can definitely you know, store them sealed up tight in the fridge for a week. That would be fine. But you never want to buy them already ground. And then pumpkin seeds, yeah, you could blend them up in the uh, smoothie or just eat like a handful as a snack. But the goal is you want to consume two tablespoons of the seeds each day. Um, Lauren, you, you like to put them like on salads and just kind of- Oh, yeah. I love them on salads. Yeah.
1: I'm always surprised- that when I am grocery shopping, it's really hard to find the whole seeds. So many companies grind them up. And it's such a bummer because I look at that. and I'm like, it's dead. rancid. It has no life rancid. force. <laughs> it's not going to, it's rancid. It's not going to do anything to support me. am like, what a waste. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know they're making it more convenient because they've already done it for you, but you probably have a blender, food processor, something that can grind, a coffee grinder. You have that in your home. It takes two seconds. I know you don't right. want to be doing it every day, which is why I like that recommendation of grinding a whole week's worth, maybe at the beginning of the week and kind of planning that out. But yeah, but yeah, I agree. It's like, it's not going to harm anything. We know there's a lot of nutrition in these seeds. Like something like pumpkin seeds is really high in zinc. And I think the reason that it's supportive to estrogen is that it actually can, um, reduce the metabolism of prostaglandins, which is going (laughs) to really affect your cramps. Like prostaglandins are, are rising and that makes you really feel pretty shitty. So well, we know zinc is good for immune health, well, zinc is also going to help with those cramps. So why not? It's real food,
0: real food. Yeah. You're not going to overdose on on it that way versus a, a zinc supplement you have to be careful with. So, so yeah. So basically to keep it simple, so you would switch your seeds on the first day of menstruation, and then you would switch your seeds on the day of ovulation. So I think it's worth trying. Cool. So that's seed yeah. cycling. We'll link to that too. So you can kind of see a, a pretty picture of what that looks like.
1: I wouldn't say this is going to completely overhaul your periods. I've tried it. And you really have to be doing all the other things. This is not a magic pill like most things. but I think this especially is not a magic pill. We really want to... in. Uh, Renee's about to talk about this, but we have got to reduce inflammation and we have to make sure we're getting clean food nutrition all the time. And then if you're doing all those things and getting the, the rest and recovery, reducing stress, then this could be potentially really powerful. All right. So let's do some troubleshooting. This is the stuff that you requested. What do we do about acne? What do we do about PMS? Renee, you want to kick us off?
0: Yeah, I think so for acne, you know, this can be from multiple issues. You definitely want to figure out what your cause is, but we're going to run through a list to try and help you navigate this. The first thing is it could be actually too much testosterone, and that is why the pill often helps with acne. If you have experienced acne, you went on birth control and the acne cleared up, that is a good sign. It's probably from too much testosterone. A few other symptoms of high testosterone are hair loss on your scalp, excess body hair, especially facial hair, we'll see that. And then oily skin, which can lead to acne as well, sleep disturbances, and then increased body odor. So a few other signs of high testosterone to keep an eye out for. I would just say
1: the pill is not a reason. Sorry. Acne is not a reason to take the pill. It just happens to be.
0: (laughs) So many doctors
1: prescribe it. I know. I want to put it in quotations, benefit from the pill. But when you go off of it, this happened to me. I took the pill only for one year of my life. And when I went off of it, I got this severe forehead acne. I had craters on my forehead because of the flood of testosterone. Yeah. My body was trying to detoxify all these hormones. It was kind of a nightmare. So maybe it's like it was benefiting rebound. me, but yeah, but long-term what are you doing? And that's definitely a sign I had cut off all communication. So my body wasn't able to take care of my skin naturally. And ooh, so many other reasons for
0: that. Yeah. I, I read recently a crazy statistic. I'm not, I'm not going to try and guess the number here, but the number of women that are on birth control for other reasons, like acne, mm-hmm. depression, mood swings, whatever, they're not even just on it to prevent getting pregnant, which is why it was developed.
1: Right. It's a Band-Aid for so many other complaints.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. So definitely be careful with that. And then some other causes of why your testosterone is high, if this is the case, it could be high insulin. So that's also related to blood sugar instability. Just one more reason to focus on blood sugar control. And then gut inflammation, which can stem from just eating a poor diet, eating foods that your body is sensitive or intolerant to, or maybe eating too many inflammatory foods, toxic oils, fried foods, things like that. Also, HPA axis dysfunction is a big cause of overall hormonal imbalance, especially looking at our sex hormones. And if you're not familiar with that term and what the heck that means, go back and listen to episode 76, where we talked all about that. And then also poor liver detoxification. So your liver is really, really important for controlling all of these hormones. Your liver's job is to balance the sex hormones. So if you're overwhelming your liver with environmental toxins, alcohol, caffeine, all these things, these are gonna take priority over your hormones because they're toxic. (laughs) Your body wants to focus on what's most important in the moment. So if you bog your liver down with all of those, it's not going to worry about testosterone. So your testosterone can be too high. Your estrogen can be too high, too low. I mean, all kinds of wacky things happen when your liver is not functioning optimally. So definitely want to consider that. And then there's actually a really strong link with PCOS. And we have an amazing... Guest coming on in a few weeks to talk more about PCOS. So definitely stay tuned for that. But it could also be the post pill androgen rebound, which is a little bit like what Lauren experienced coming off of the pill. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, you're on the pill, you're shutting down that communication, and then you open the floodgates again, and things can go a little wild.
1: Yeah, it's like they even locked in the closet and then they're like, we're back. (laughs) Party time. Yeah. Androgen party.
0: Androgen party. It's not a fun
1: party. (laughs)
0: I don't want to be invited to that. (laughs) Yeah. And then also we want to look at gut health, right? Everything can come back to gut health. And there is a really strong link here between the gut and the liver. So anything that's going to support gut health is going to support your liver and your sex hormones. And we know that a lot of things that are coming out through the skin can be from the gut, right? We see... You know, things like psoriasis, eczema, dry skin, acne, a lot of these can actually stem from gut dysbiosis. And that dysbiosis, maybe it's uh, bacterial overgrowth, candida, parasites, yeast, mycotoxins, right? All these different things. This skin, it's such a large organ that it wants to just get rid of toxins as quick as it can. And the skin is just an easy way to come out. That's why you might see like a skin rash when you're detoxing, right? It's like, okay, here's a good way to get out of the body, but we don't really want to be getting toxins out that way. So definitely look at that.
1: Well, and we have to remember that the skin is not separate from the rest of the body. There's so many ointments and treatments and creams that people purchase when they have rashes or psoriasis. They think it's disconnected, but it's communication. That's what we said at the beginning of the podcast. It's communication from your body. We need to take that information. Something is coming out of your body. So don't put more toxic crap on your skin. You're just adding more fuel to the fire. You're adding more burden to the liver and essentially like closing that pathway your skin is trying to make you healthier. We're getting this shit out of your body. Let it happen.
0: Right. Don't put an ointment on that's going to seal it back in. Yeah. Oh, just like bad visual. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave you with that. Okay. okay. <laughs> but um. But also on that topic, yeah, I mean, look at what beauty products you're putting on your skin every day. I mean, not only are a lot of these filled with these endocrine disruptors that are affecting your hormones, but also a lot of the chemicals in these products If you look them up, some of them actually cause skin damage. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's like, here's this anti aging cream, but we just snuck in these five chemicals that are actually aging your skin at the same time. So just really be careful. Um, You know, Lauren and I are always recommending go to ewg.org, do a full run through of all of the products you're putting on your face, skin, hair, whatever, and just clean those up and make make sure you're not uh, pouring, you know, gasoline on the fire there.
1: And watch Toxic Beauty, the documentary, if you haven't seen it.
0: Oh, yeah. That was a great movie. And also looking at your diet, definitely more of an anti inflammatory diet is going to be helpful. So, you know, eliminating the inflammatory foods is number one. That can be different for some people, but definitely things like your toxic oils, right? Canola oils, the biggest offender, I think, and unhealthy fats, anything fried anything in those seed oils. We want to avoid those as much as we can. But then also anything that your body is having a sensitivity or intolerance to. And dairy is a really big one. A lot of people just can't digest that. And that's causing a lot of gut inflammation. And I think that's then leading to the acne and other skin issues. But Mm -hmm. to do really a full diet reset, make sure you're also getting the anti-inflammatory foods. We really love the healthy fats, cold water fish, avocado, pumpkin seeds. Again, those are great for this. And just finding a good balance to lower inflammation in the body. The icing on the cake is supplements. We always say you have to test first. Don't just go out and buy these, please. But just a few things that can help with testosterone if it's too high. Saw palmetto, vitex, fish oil, licorice root, and turmeric. Those are great, but again, test first, figure out what exactly your body needs, work with a practitioner. Lauren and I are happy to help with that, but just know that there are supplements that sometimes we need to incorporate to really seal everything in. Yeah. Anything Keeping else? On top. Yeah. No, I love those. So hopefully that helps kind of troubleshoot acne.
1: Great. So let's troubleshoot PMS. This is a big one. Most people have this and it's just so incredibly common that we think it's normal. So this includes symptoms like cramps, bloating, breast tenderness, headaches, trouble sleeping, sugar cravings, irritability, anxiety, depression, and mood swings. We've all been there. No surprise there. But what is actually happening hormonally? So you could potentially have too much estrogen and if you have too much estrogen, we have estrogen dominance. And that's relative to your progesterone. We always want to balance. It always comes back to balance. But like Renee said, if you're not able to detoxify, if you are taking in too many xenoestrogens, if that system is overloaded, you're going to have estrogen dominance. And that's going to lead to all of these terrible, painful symptoms. So, There really are uh, different ways we can get this estrogen. So there's endogenous sources and there's exogenous sources. So endogenous that's within the body, that will be chronic stress. If you're not able to handle stress and find that resilience again, gut dysbiosis, can't say that enough. If you have leaky gut, if you're eating things that are. Offending your body, literally offending, like it's offensive to your gut. <laughs> you're going to get <laughs> holes in your gut. You're going to get leaky gut, mixed inflammation that could turn into autoimmunity. Ooh, that cascade is really awful. And then the impaired liver function if you're not detoxifying, those are all endogenous within the body sources. And we also have the exogenous, the xenoestrogens. This is. Stuff like the plastics that we put our food in, pesticides that are on our food, all the chemicals that are in our environment, toxins that could be on your coffee, (laughs) hey, hiding
0: everywhere. Yeah. And I think an important note with xenoestrogens is if you are struggling to lose weight, this is a big thing because your fat cells conveniently or inconveniently will yeah. actually take these xenoestrogens in to protect you right we want to get the xenoestrogens out of the bloodstream and the fat cells will actually store them and then those fat cells become very stubborn they don't want to let go because they're trying to keep you toxin free so mm-hmm. if you have some of those stubborn areas of fat something to look yeah. at
1: eliminate the chemicals absolutely that's such a huge one i think that blows a lot of people's minds like, I'm fat from the chemicals. Okay. Plastic like chemicals. Easy, easy example. That's why diet soda does not make you lose weight. You can actually get fatter from drinking diet soda. I hope you guys know that. Yeah. <laughs> if not, and you know please that. Please
0: no. know. Now, now you know. And no plastic water bottles. That is the easiest thing. No, no, no. Yep. So, yeah. Anyways. Glass off, off my, my glass. soapbox. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this whole episode is a soapbox. So let's be real. Okay. (laughs) You mentioned prostaglandins earlier. Those are hormone-like chemicals that stimulate contraction of the uterus. Those cramps that we don't like, and that causes a lot of pain. So I mentioned before zinc can be really helpful, but it's inflammatory in nature. So testing something like CRP to look at your inflammation levels could be helpful, but also just eliminating all of these offenders in the diet environment, Everything around you and in you, if you can reduce your inflammation, these hormone-like chemicals are not going to have a party like they are probably doing right now.
0: Yeah. And the CRP is C-reactive protein for anyone that doesn't know what that is. You can definitely look that up. And that's something your doctor can test anytime. That's an easy thing.
1: Sometimes. I see a lot of blood chemistry that doesn't have CRP. So if you need to get that done, we can help you.
0: Yeah. You pro- I mean, you might need to ask for it, but your doctor isn't going to fight you on it. And then actually companies like GetBase and InsideTracker now where you can do your own lab testing, a lot of those are incorporating C-reactive protein. So just a good good number to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we do Some for this things-
1: Ugh, What do we do at Jumping Jacks? <laughs> <laughs> no more Jumping Jacks. Okay, so how can we deal with the pain? There's some devices, supplements, some protocols. Magnesium glycinate is really helpful. I take magnesium glycinate to sleep. It's great for recovering and restoring the nervous system. It could also be really helpful with pain, cramps, sort of like just, just bring everything down a little bit. Infrared heat patches. Something you just – I love these. I love those, like, sticky patches. You just slap them on. But the ones that have the infrared heat, not just the typical icy hot, cold, or hot patches, but the infrared really helps with the inflammation. Upping your omega-3s, vitamin E, also really helpful – cramp bark and red light therapy. I love red light. I'm always putting my red light on my gut. Then you get a double whammy because shining red light on your gut is going to get your microbiome and that's going to affect your brain. Huzzah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You could do that that any time of the month.
1: Yeah. And then castor oil packs. I know you have a lot of information about this, Renee.
0: Yeah. I love castor oil packs. They Well, I use them in two ways. I, well, I used to get really bad cramps. So I would do castor oil packs right on my abdomen. I fortunately don't get cramps anymore because I've literally biohacked it. But so what you do with the castor oil pack, if you put it on your abdomen, you want to get organic cotton flannel, and then you actually soak that with organic castor oil, put that on, and then you want to put some kind of like rag or a towel, something that you don't really care too much about on top of that. And then bonus points, if you can put an infrared heat pad on top of that, I think traditionally, Ooh. yeah, I think traditionally it was any kind of heat pad, but now we know some of the heat pads are putting off a lot of EMFs. So maybe not ideal mm-hmm. to put that on your abdomen. So if you can get like an infrared low EMF heat pad, why am I blanking on the brand that I use? Therisage. Therisage is the one that I use. So it has like rose quartz in it. So I put that on top and it just, it feels amazing. So that's one option for cramps, but then also something that you can do during other psych, uh, phases of the month is you can actually do a castor oil pack over your liver. And that helps to regulate hormones a little bit. So same thing. Put the uh, flannel with the castor oil on, heat pad right over your liver, kind of liver gallbladder area. um, And that's a great little detox. Hopefully that's helpful. If anyone has more questions about that, let me know.
1: But it's essentially like pulling toxins out, right?
0: But yeah. So when you're doing it over your liver, that's more, yeah, pulling toxins out. But it's also very healing, especially when you have the infrared heat on that. So I think it works in both ways.
1: Yeah. Castor oil is great for so many things. I'm putting yeah. it on my eyebrows for hair growth.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I, I heard, I'll never forget this, like years ago, I was telling one of my patients about castor oil packs and she's like, castor oil? My grandfather <laughs> used to give us that by the spoonful and then we would be pooping uh, all day. Oh yeah, it's a laxative. <laughs> a laxative, I, yeah, I don't know that I But it does a lot that. of
1: things. That's, yeah, why that generation was all about it for yeah. a reason. i don't know why casserole went away but
0: yeah but now a lot of the bottles say do not drink so <laughs> i don't
1: know mm.
0: it, it doesn't smell great i don't know that i would want to drink it so
1: doesn't smell great it's also great for um for acne just to circle back to that It'd be great for skin conditions because it's really balancing to to microbes and bacterial balance
0: oh good to know
1: yeah I think there's a lot of benefits to castor oil. I guess we really should do a whole episode on castor oil, but let's come back to PMS. Yes. (laughs) So hopefully with those, we'll call them hacks, and then also just reducing your stress load, cycle syncing, your exercise, your your nutrition, listening to your body, all of that is going to just drop to the bottom and and support your overall system. So just to kind of round this out, our top biohacks are always going to be to listen to your body just because we said you shouldn't be doing high intensity exercise during one phase of your cycle. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. If you feel like you want to do it, your body's telling you something. I just, I think we, what we really want you to know is that you don't have to feel like that you don't have to show up and kill it all the time. Your body is not designed to do that. So it is okay to slow down when you're on your period or at the end of your luteal phase. I know so many women, they're like, I feel like crap, but like, I got to burn calories. Well, that's stressful to your body. You don't have to burn calories. Your body's designed, like we've been this way forever since
0: females were born, right? Right. Yeah. Don't feel the need to push through if your body is signaling otherwise. Yeah. And then after listening to your body,
1: we can test because- Your body's not going to give you all the information it needs. So we love the Dutch test. Several options. I know we talked about this last week, but there's the basic Dutch test. There's the Dutch plus, which is saliva and urine, and there's cycle mapping. If you want more information about that, let us know. But this is a great way to see what's happening with your cortisol, with rise and fall of estrogen or lack thereof, (laughs) rise and fall of progesterone, what's happening to your testosterone. Are you detoxifying your estrogen? So much cool information on that test. It really is endless. And then from there, we can give you really specific nutritional and supplement advice. So then it would be like free reign to take the supplements because we have have data on paper. So it's cool.
0: Yeah. I love the Dutch, the Dutch testing, especially the cycle mapping. I think for any female struggling to really get their cycle under control and Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of work because you're doing, you know, you have to test a little bit every day for the whole month, but then once you have that information, it's priceless.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now's the time to do it. I know we're not technically still in quarantine, but most people are home. So if you've been thinking about it, do it now before you go back to work in person.
0: Right. Right. That's a good point. Great. Okay. And then once you get through both of those, I think just, again, always focusing on a nutrient dense diet, this comes back to very foundational things we should all be doing. But I think overall, specifically for hormones, anything that's going to support healthy blood sugar balance and lower inflammation are really important, but then fiber as well. You know, I like to say aim for about 25 grams of fiber a day. This is also very important, again, in detoxifying the estrogen, like Lauren was talking about. So fiber is going to help to get the estrogen out of the body. So fiber is really important there.
1: And then Dr. Casey says 75 grams of fiber, which I'm still trying to do. That is a lot. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I would definitely (laughs) say 25 is the minimum, but yeah, 75, I
1: guess it depends how much you're currently intaking. If you're not at 25, you want to get there.
0: Right. Right. Oh yeah. And that's the thing with fiber. Anytime you increase or decrease, you want to do it slowly because if you're at, you know, 15 grams today, and then tomorrow you try to do 30 or 40,
1: you're Pain. not going to feel
0: so good. Yeah. Pain. Yeah. You definitely want to go very slow with fiber and then your body adjusts. I'm sure Dr. Casey got to 75 over not quite a bit of time. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. Totally. And then also minimize stress. Can't say this enough. So, cortisol, our stress hormone, is going to take priority over the sex hormones. Just always think back to your body wants to function in the short term the best it can. So, it's going to prioritize whatever it needs to in the moment. So, cortisol is a sign that we're under stress, we're under a threat. That is going to take priority. Sex hormones, eh, we can reproduce later. We got to like run. Run from something or get through a a car accident. or We're
1: not going to say the tiger. I wasn't going
0: to say the tiger. (laughs) I was stopping myself. I saw you thinking about it. (laughs) I know. It's so ingrained in me. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, your body needs to fight or flee in the moment. Reproduction is not going to happen. And then minimize alcohol consumption. We did two great episodes, I thought, in season three with we had Todd White from Dry Farm Wines and then James Swanick talking about alcohol. I think those were really good Conversations about that. And we're not saying to give it up completely, but just keep in mind that alcohol is going to kind of bog down your liver. So it's going to slow down detoxification of your sex hormones, but it can also lead to estrogen dominance. So, going back to what we said about hacking your PMS and the potential for too much estrogen, keep alcohol in mind for that. And then love your liver, that ties right into that. So the liver's got to balance these sex hormones, but again, it's going to prioritize the toxins like the pill or alcohol or whatever else is coming in. So love your liver as much as you can.
1: Love your liver.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then heal your gut. Again, coming back to the gut. Anything that supports the gut is going to support everything else in your body.
1: Yeah, and if you need help with healing your gut, if you don't know what's happening, because you could have symptoms, you could not have symptoms. You could have no symptoms and actually have a a terribly stressed out gut. So we could do some testing if you're interested in that. And that would include, you know, learning which foods you are sensitive to, what's offending you. Do you have leaky gut? What's going on in there? What's the balance of microbes? Is there fungal or yeast overgrowth? Again, the testing is the only way to really truly understand this. You may or may not have symptoms. So test, don't guess. (laughs) Yes, I bet.
0: Forever, saying my favorite that. saying. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll never get sick of that.
1: So, wrapping this up, we're going to keep talking about hormones. Keep sending us your questions. We have an exciting guest coming on, Sophie Shepard. She's going to talk all about PCOS. She's really an expert in this area. She is an a fellow FDN practitioner. She actually used to be in theater. She was a stage manager, and she knows a lot of my people, which is so cool. But she is fully in the functional health space right now. And she's doing amazing things. So she'll be on soon. And then we'll just continue this conversation because honestly, this is dipping a toe in the water. We will bring you more, but let us know your specific questions because this is all about you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We always appreciate your support and we will see you next time. Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly
0: appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.